0: You know, sometimes you just need a different take on today's sports news. And that's just what we're going to do.
3: woo I say, sports fans.
0: A fresh look at the headlines is here with the Dopey Millennial Show with Caleb Johnson and Garrett
2: Chapman.
3: Your one-stop shop for sports talk. Getting
0: what the ATL needs. A fresh weekend sports talk show. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's just get down to it. Now, the Dopey Millennial Show is on Sports Radio
1: 92.9 The Game.
0: Here's Caleb Johnson and Garrett Chapman.
1: Atlanta, what's going on? Sports Radio 9829 The Game and the Odyssey app. It's the Dopey Millennials. Caleb Johnson and Garrett Chapman with you up until 11 p.m. when we hand things off to the uh, CBS Sports Network. Excited to get to jam-pack a couple of hours as Garrett and I, we haven't been on the airwaves in, in quite some time. And, and honestly, it feels like every time we do, there's so much for us to get to. Um, I know just to, off, the, off the top of my head at 940, uh, Garrett and I are going to talk to 92.9 The Game Braves insider uh, Grant McCauley, freshly engaged Grant McCauley, uh, who is going to get to join us to talk about this this Braves offseason, uh, an area that I you know might consider to be some failures and, and different things like that. Um, you know, where does this team go after Dansby Swanson? Um, especially after today getting the the f- official Instagram goodbye uh, from Dansby Swanson. Um, amongst we're gonna have some some Falcons talk and, and of course all of those sorts of things. Um, but Garrett, I wanted to start off the show like just about probably everyone has done today <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with no the Atlanta Hawks uh, because they they gave the city a real heart attack last night with a 126-125 win over the Orlando Magic. Of course, I was in the building for that. Um it, it's it's been interesting, Garrett. I will say covering this team this year um uh, because I was someone who coming into the season was like you know, I I love drama in the NBA. All all of the <laughs> all of the off the court stuff and and stuff that leaks onto the court. Uh, Like, the X's and O's are great, but, man, I love me some drama. And I can tell you now 30, what, one games into the season, nah, give me X's and O's all day, every day. I'm excited to actually talk about what's going on on the floor. I know a lot of you listeners out there are excited to talk about what's going on on the floor um, and you've got a lot of takes. I was listening to uh, the hometown take earlier with with Dylan Matthews. And shout out to Dylan, who's getting to do a little role, he, he role reversal. He's behind the glass for us as we uh, fill in for John Chuckery tonight. Uh, very fitting, I think, Garrett, that... The dopey millennials sure. fill in. Yeah, for, exactly. For John exactly. John name'sake, Chuckery. truly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if if people don't know, John Chuckery is the one who bestowed that name upon the young guys here at the station and Garrett. We have three I, dopey millennials here. Right? Yeah, we absolutely do. And I, and I imagine those of you who are are true apostles, disciples of John <laughs> Chuckery, are uh, maybe not too thrilled to hear our voices. But stick with us, and I promise you, we'll give we'll give you some good takes. Uh, but. Garrett, when it comes to this Hawks team, uh, I, obviously, I heard Dylan. I, I heard uh, uh, earlier guys, uh, Dukes and Bell, that I was listening to as I was, I was driving through the city uh, earlier today. Talk about the fact of another fourth quarter double-digit lead squandered once again. Uh, and this is becoming, unfortunately, somewhat of a, a consistent issue with the Atlanta Hawks this season.
2: It, it, it's certainly become a trend. I mean, I have it here on the rundown. They're minus 37 in the fourth quarter this year. That's in wins and in losses, by the way. Just in every fourth quarter, they are minus 37. And that's just not going to get it done. This is where we were. I, this is where we are right now. Like, we knew that there were going to be some growing pains between DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. And yes, there have been some issues, but injuries that, that have led to some issues. And obviously, like, these guys just haven't played together. So I'm going to preach patience still. We still have a long way to go. The Hawks are still in playoff contention. It's not like, it's not like we're the, the, the Chicago Bulls or the Toronto Raptors right now. We're not looking to blow this thing up. The Hawks are right where they need to be. They're right there in striking distance. And when they figure it out, they're a much better basketball team. We've seen when we actually have the starting five on the floor. I sent you this graphic here, uh, I think, last night after the game. Look, this team, when the, our starting five is actually out on the floor, healthy playing together, they're a top-seven team in point differential.
1: Yeah, top four. Top, they're one yeah, of the
2: top teams in point differential when the, when this whole team is actually playing together. The only problem is we haven't seen them play together. Now, again, last night, we finally get John Collins and DeJounte Murray back onto the floor playing for the Atlanta Hawks, and we don't have Clint Capella now. And I, I, know, I know I know, we were talk, talking a Hometown Take where a lot of people were kind of ragging on Clint Capella, but we've seen how big of an impact he seems to have on the Atlanta Hawks on defense and on offense. He is the pick-and-roll buddy of Trey Young. And you want to see Trey continue to, to develop his game and play with these other guys. And Yekka Kong, with us. one of the things that kind of keeps him off the floor on the offensive side is just not the greatest in the pick and roll. But Clint Capella, he is so effective at it, and he is such a perfect number two when it comes to playing in that, that pick and roll with Trey Young. And look at that defensive impact that he has. His rebounding. He's fourth in the NBA in rebounds. He's important. But the thing is, it's like it feels like a lot of drama. It's like an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians right now. There's so much drama between Nate McMillan and Trey Young and John T. Murray. Who's the leader of this team? Is Trey Young actually a leader? I, I know that Trey Young just put up 37 points and 13 assists. I know he had his second consecutive game of scoring 30-plus points, having a 30-point double-double. He's a pretty damn good basketball player, if you ask me, and we're 2-0 in those games.
1: Yeah, I think for for one, I think the drama is a thing of the past because what brings out drama in the NBA? Losing losing games yeah you you lose games on a consistent basis and guys start pointing fingers and start getting frustrated and and these you know they 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 spiral they build into an instance of where you're getting reported on by Sham Sharania interestingly enough something that that you you know mentioned and that we'll talk about uh, coming up in what about 12 minutes from now uh, is the Atlanta Hawks aren't the latest team to be reported on by Sham Sharania. There's another team that the Hawks are going to see very soon who are... They're the team right now who's going through some issues. Um, The Hawks... Like I was telling Dylan uh, as we were wrapping up the hometown take, it's so many different issues all at the same time because, you know, you... you, Yeah, you mentioned the injuries. Sure, that's a thing because you're trying to build chemistry. Um, You're also... You know, dealing with Trey Young, who hasn't been shooting particularly well this season. He's scoring points, but he's not shooting the ball well, especially from three. Um, You know, then you get into these late-game scenarios where, unfortunately, because of maybe lack of leadership or um, maybe just really it it not getting through to the Hawks that they have to put their – Put on the gas and remain, you know, and keep pushing through these games. They've allowed these late-game collapses. I think uh, um, I was doing the math earlier with another Hawks reporter that it's like seven games this season where the Hawks have had a fourth-quarter double-digit lead and blew it. That doesn't necessarily mean they lost the game, but, you know, things like the Magic games just absolutely too close. The fact that the Atlanta Hawks right now are 28th in the NBA in fourth-quarter scoring... That's not good, obviously. Uh, and that's what's leading to you know these teams uh coming back against the Hawks. Because one thing that I will give Trey and DeJounte credit for, and something they've been saying a lot over this stretch of time, is that NBA fans and Atlanta Hawks fans have this uh habit of looking at the schedule and going, that's a win, that's a loss, that's a win, that's a loss because of how Teams are are played the season before or played coming up to that stretch. Um, But there's a lot of teams playing really good basketball coming into when they're playing the Hawks. Like the Hawks have been streak killers multiple times this season. Mm -hmm. The Orlando Magic were no different. The Orlando Magic came in on a six-game winning streak, including two wins over the Boston Celtics. Oh, yeah, I think the Boston (laughs) Celtics are kind of good this year. So, like, you have to temper your expectations and understand that um, for the Hawks, they they have to know you can't just give up on these games. You can't do what I did last night. I'll, I'll be honest. And, and I, I took some blame on uh, on the podcast, uh, Nothing But Nest, um, that, that I do with Deshaun Tate, um, that I was like, you know what? At the three-minute mark when Trey Young hit the deep three, stared down Mo Wagner, got the technical foul, I closed my laptop. <laughs> because I went, oh, I know, I know. Wagner is going to the free throw line. He's going to go shoot a technical free throw. But this is about to inspire the Hawks to go on a run. That are, they're going to completely shut down this Magic team and finish out the game. They thought that too. The Atlanta Hawks thought that too, and that sure looked like yeah. It. And that's not what happened. I do wanted to point out. I wanted to get a bit of sound in here just to bring some humor to the show, Garrett. Um, in that uh, when Trey Young got that technical foul last night. Um, it was very confusing because he stared down Mo Wagner and then he said something to the official, but the tech came before he said something to the official uh, and, and I don't know. It was a very confusing moment that felt like it was going to bring some momentum to the Hawks and it didn't do that. But I thought the explanation that Trey Young got for this, everyone might not have heard and it's quite hilarious. Yeah, he said I just couldn't look at him. But, I mean, he, I don't think he was knowing what, what Mo was saying the whole game and uh, his, his dirty play and the way he was playing throughout the whole game. I think it was just – I mean, I was okay with taking the tech. or so whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, Trey says, I, I got called for a tech because I stared him down. And I looked at uh, – uh, me and Lauren Williams looked at the replay of this clip earlier today at practice. and tr- And true enough, like, Trey just stared him down – and Mo Wagner threw his his shoulder into Trey's chin after that, yeah. and and there was no double text called. It was just on Trey's side, and so it kind of builds into Trey's distrust for the uh, for the officials and the so fact whatever. of like, come on, you know, like <laughs> l- like let's make this thing fair. Um, and, and I love the fact that Trey was like, yeah. You know that 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 fifteen k, I'll, I'll spend that fifteen k. We just got fifty million. I was just about mansion. yeah yeah twenty so, million dollar Calabasas it's... mansion in, in California. <laughs> I think Trey's got fifteen k to spend. Like he'll be just fine. Okay, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Hey man, I respect that out of him.
2: I respect that out of him. I mean, like it was a difficult night for the officiating crew. They had some. We talked about this on Twitter. Yeah. Calls. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. We was... were going back and forth on that one. They had some, nah, some not so great calls, including that last one of Dejounte Murray, which. It's it's whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, look, (laughs) he he baited the rookie just like uh, Bogey Bogdanovich got baited by DeMar DeRozan a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, I guess, against Chicago. Um, Like, those moments happened, and um, I'm sure Paolo will learn from it and become a better player and all the, you know, traditional tropes that get said about that sort of thing. Um, But, you know, like, that was a good Orlando Magic team, whether people are going to recognize that or not. And at the end of the day, the Hawks got to win. And I think they learned from that. I truly think they recognize we we can't keep doing this. We've got to do something different. Um, But uh, we'll we'll get into some more Hawks talk throughout the show. Uh, Coming up next, I do know we're going to get into the rest of the story. Our headline segment here on the Doping Millennials, we're going to touch on a host of things, including $4 billion. $4 $4 billion coming up in about five minutes. It's the Doping Millennials on Sports Radio 989 The Game and the Odyssey app.
3: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
0: Getting your weekend sports talk fixed here, here. with the Dopey Millennial Show.
3: My ears are bleeding.
0: From Sports Radio 92.9, The Game.
3: I know. I can't. Sports Radio,
2: 92.9 The Game. Garrett Chapman, Caleb Johnson. I just stepped all over that, didn't I? (laughs) We are the Dopey Millennials, and that was a Dopey moment from yours truly. Stepping all over the beat like that. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we are going to be talking a little Braves baseball. Grant McCauley, 92.9 The Game, Braves insider joining us in About 15 minutes, so stay tuned for that one because I think Caleb and I have different opinions on this Dansby Swanson situation. Oh, we do, I'm sure I, we, we probably do. do. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, it's like I, I feel like Grant McCauley is gonna be able to set that record straight. So make sure you're here 15 minutes from now. Grant McCauley joining us, Braves Insider. But for right now, we have a couple things that we need to address. Uh, so let's get to the rest of the story. <laughs> So Caleb, like we were talking about, the Atlanta Hawks—they escaped. Escaped is probably the nice, nicest way to put it.
3: Um,
0: now,
3: now, now, the rest of the story. The rest, the rest,
0: the rest of, the story. of the story.
2: So this is the rest of the story. We are going to be talking. We are reporters, so this is what we do. Uh, we do want to discuss this stuff and kind of give the ins and outs of everything that's going on, not just at the ba- the, the top. The, the, the face level, face value, I should say. So the Atlanta Hawks, they escape the Orlando Magic. By one point, DeJounte Murray saves the day on a kind of questionable call. But, you know, Caleb Johnson, what's the rest of the story there?
1: Well, the rest of the story is shout out to Big Tigger over at V103, who was the uh, in-game announcer for the Atlanta Hawks, who when Paolo Banquero fouls DeJounte Murray – uh, shushed the crowd, and I don't mean I don't mean that Big Tigger went, "Hey everybody, you need to be quiet." No, no, no. Big Tigger went, "Shh," and everybody got quiet. And then uh, Dejounte Murray knocked down the uh, he he knocked down his two free throws. I thought it was also uh, obviously the big part of that is the fact that Dejounte Murray played in this game. Yeah. It was the first game back for Dejounte Murray and John Collins. John Collins on a minutes restriction uh, and a very strict minutes restriction, not a bogey Bogdanovich minutes restriction yeah. where it's like, well, we only want to play you, you know, 22 minutes and we play you 36. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, John Collins minute restriction was 20 minutes and he played 20 minutes in this game. And I thought look good um, at that five spot since Clint Capella was out um, a very small lineup that the Hawks decided yeah. to run in this one. Uh, but did so. Nate McMillan actually explained why he played John Collins at the five. He said, "Coming back from injury, you're warming up pregame. I didn't want John Collins go from warming up pregame to go sit on the bench and then come in the game cold. I wanted him warm. And so, how did that all make sense? John Collins is a capable five. Yeah. Although John Collins is six foot nine, and four of the Orlando Magic are six foot ten and above." Bowl Bowl of course being (laughs) 7-2 so small lineup against big lineup you think well that's not going to work out well and yet you know for the first quarter the Hawks outscored the magic uh and, and honestly for the majority of this game had it in hand uh just got got sloppy got lazy got comfortable in the fourth quarter and that 13 point lead quickly vanished away and uh, made things rather interesting where Deshante Murray has to save the day.
2: Yeah, and, and th- that was one of those things. I mean, I saw a lot of people talking about specifically about John Collins. Why is he on, on the floor, blah, blah, blah? Nah, well, it's because he is on that minute's restriction. It's very strict, and I'd rather have a healthy John Collins than a not healthy John Collins. One other thing that I do want to talk about is that rookie. That kid is special.
1: Oh, A.J. Griffin, he yes, so absolutely. Good. A.J.
2: Griffin has, what, um, I think I wrote it down here, Nine, nine of his last ten games he's been in double figures. He's been fantastic from the floor. He's been efficient from the floor. He is shooting lights out. He had another fantastic game yesterday. I I think people kind of sold him as like a a terrible defender when going through that draft process. But I haven't seen that. He's been. Uh, he's 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 shown he's looked like a rookie at
1: times. So that, that's it.
2: And, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And that's thing.
1: a different conversation a than conversation. being just a bad defender in general.
2: What he was sold as is an incapable defender. And that is not what I have seen not from really. the rookie this year. And when you add in the fact that he's just a shooter and he's been a great shooter, but he's done a lot more than that. He's He's been a fantastic rookie. No, he's not going to win rookie of the year. They had a guy down there in Orlando who showed us why he was going to be the rookie of the year this year, uh, assuming that all things continue as they are. But Look, the Atlanta Hawks, they get the win. At the end of the day, DeJounte Murray comes out and says, well, it didn't feel like a win, so I'm not going to be celebrating it like a win. I disagree. A win is a win. And at this point, they're pretty much where they were this time last year. It's just, let's knock on wood, we don't get hit with a COVID bug or something like we did last year because that was a brutal stretch. I don't think that we're going to have that happen. So, um, fingers crossed, this team stays healthy. And the team that we saw last or last night, hopefully they came kind of – continue to improve and actually stay on the basketball court.
1: Yeah. See, the difference is, is experience. Like this team is one, one more year experience than they were previously. I feel better about this team because I feel their best, best basketball is ahead of them. Uh, that team last year, it felt like because of injuries, because of COVID, uh, because of the fact of maybe they just really weren't taking the regular season that seriously, Mm-hmm. Um, You know, and they went through all of that as a team that the people who have come back from that team, I think, are, have learned from that. There's been a, a lot of different elements into why they've had the struggles that they've had. Obviously, injuries being number one at the top of that list. And then I would add uh Trey Young, you know, just s- seemingly struggling to shoot. Uh, but that could turn around because... As Nate McMillan said just the other day, uh, it was either post-game or out of practice. Honestly, they all run together at this point. <laughs> but uh, Nate was talking about the influence and the impact of Bogey Bogdanovich and how his ability of shooting, it spreads the floor. It, it gets some pressure off of Trey Young. DeJounte Murray coming back, also being healthy, does that as well. So, you know, that's why I just I feel like I'm constantly having to tell everyone, calm down, it's okay, you know, it, it, it's... We're, we're we're getting this team is getting there. Uh, don't worry just yet. Uh, having moments like this, you learn from them, and the coaching staff then uses it to teach and film study. And they did that very thing today. Nate McMillan talked about that uh, earlier today at practice. Yeah, and, and look, at the end
2: of the day, they got the win. That's really the biggest thing. But Talk- I,
1: I do like the fact that Dejounte Murray goes. He expects more. Yeah, we're not enjoying this, but and that's that. I respect that. That's maturity. That's leadership. Um, And that's something that, you know, I think fuels can fuel a team of like, yeah, you're right. We can't just be super excited about that. We're not throwing water on you, DeJounte Murray, for winning the game. It's, you know, on to Chicago. I'd rather win ugly than lose
2: pretty. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's really the biggest thing. But moving on, talking about somebody who didn't really win pretty. In fact, they lost kind of ugly. First start for Desmond Ritter on Sunday. Four consecutive games have been decided by one score or less. Falcons fall 21-18 to those guys down in New Orleans. Wasn't very pretty. 14-0 hole to start the game. Uh Desmond Ritter looked a little jittery to start the game, but you a know, little, he kind of yeah. settled in a little bit. I mean, they were taking deep shots. I wasn't I wasn't uh, a biggest fan of taking those deep shots. I I get why you want to do it because you want to stretch that field. It's something that Marcus Marietta really wasn't able to give you. So now you're adding in a Desmond Ritter, a guy who has a bigger arm, and you want to show what he can do. And it would have been great if he connected on those passes, yeah, but you're also talking about the first NFL action that this guy has ever had. And, and not everybody's going to come in and be Matt Ryan on his first throw going 65 yards to Malcolm Jenkins. That is not the most commonplace of things, you know. More often than not, you want to get into a rhythm and get your rookie quarterback going, but I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and qual- I don't have that many qualms with that. What I want to see more of is Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier was a boss. That guy has been the most important player for the Atlanta Falcons over the second half of the season. Yes, I know the fa- the second half has not been fantastic for the Falcons. That kid, man. he is. Uh, Dylan talked about it in on the hometown take. It, this this dude is looking like an RB1. I think he's going to start transitioning into that role as we're coming down the stretch with these final three games.
1: Yeah, I, I see that. But in the same respect, um, it feels like Arthur Smith runs a system that – does he have an RB one? Like, if it's not Derrick Henry, and I and that's what everyone has to judge off of is it's like, um, you know, like that's what we've known Arthur Smith's offense to have in the past. So he he doesn't have that Derrick Henry, and I, and I don't think that Tyler Algier is that type of player. No, very no, 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 no. talented back, and the you know he I think he was a, he was a steal in this draft, uh, and and a guy who is going to continue to get better. Um, the I, I guess part of this is is like. Rookie involvement in this game on Sunday was very interesting because you, um, you know, getting Ritter to make his, his first start. I didn't expect him to look that scared, and I would say that Desmond looked scared to start the game off. Um, I didn't expect the lights to be bright for him because... That's a guy, and I don't know if you saw the clip before the game, but, like, Fox showed a, a quick clip because it was right after the World Cup, yeah. and I, I felt, like, super hype after everything that went down with that. And Desmond R- or, yeah, Desmond Ritter's in the huddle, like, hyping up his team, and it feels like his voice is just different, and, and it's a natural leadership style yeah. um, that that Desmond Ritter's got. Um, and yet, when, it's, when he stepped out on the field, it felt, you know, very controlled, like the... Falcons were, you know, didn't want to do too much. I know big shots were taken, You're obviously. They're calling a little bit, I get it. Yeah, and, and I, get, like, he's, I get he's a rookie. Like, so that's why I'm just not putting too much stock into this game. And thankfully, the Atlanta Falcons have three more games where they can figure out what they've got in their quarterback before they have to ultimately make a decision Decision in the offseason. Uh, Drake London, though, disappointed. I'm sorry. I, I'm disappointed. I know he received a ton of targets. Um because obviously, like, the rookie relationship is going to show there. But another time that the rookie coughs the ball up in a pivotal moment, and I'm tired of moral victories. The Atlanta Falcons, I think I did the math on Sunday, have seven moral victories this season. <laughs> and it's like, you know, clap it up for them. You know, we're, they're, they're, they're one step closer. Um, but unfortunately, moral victories don't get you into the playoffs. And two wins, I think, have been taken away by the fact of Drake London coughed up the ball. It, it's it's just you can't do it. I'm sorry. No,
2: I mean this is one of those situations. I mean it was. I, I'm again, it's a rookie mistake. That's what I'm going to view this as. It was just a good play by a defender. I credit where credit's due. It was just a good play, and I'm not going to sit here and rag on Drake London necessarily. The first one, I, I, I that's that's we can talk about that one. But this one, not so much. I mean it's it's a pivotal moment with a pivotal play in this game. What I saw from that, though, and I'm going to take a positive. I'm going to spin this a little differently. What I did see is a rookie quarterback stepping up on fourth and five and making the clutch play. That's what I saw. Absolutely. I'm not going to drudge the outcome and and put that on Desmond Ritter or Drake Leonard or whatever. It's just a defender making a great play. But Desmond Ritter stepping up in that moment and putting the ball on the money is something that we have not had here this season. And I love that. That was fantastic. That was the best moment of the game for me. Quickly turned into the worst moment. Um, But I'm not going to hold that over Drake London's head. He's a rookie. He's going to make these kinds of mistakes. But uh, I do want to get to this really quickly. Lionel Messi, Argentina, they won the World Cup on Sunday. You mentioned it uh, very briefly. One of the most incredible soccer games I've ever seen. Absolutely. If you have never seen a soccer game in your life and you watched that game, don't ever watch one again. (laughs) It will never, it will never get better than what we saw on Sunday. The second most, it came out today, the second most viewed soccer game in the United States, in the history of the sport, and
1: I love that. I and love it. Well, and also how much were the, next. how much were they aided by the fact of you know one o'clock NFL football <laughs> was coming up right next? You know, like, all those in a, all those Fox NFL I'm a exec- glass half full
2: kind of guys. So I, I'm just going to assume <laughs> that's what it was. They but.
1: were they were probably sitting there sweating it as that game wrapped up and immediately transitioned to one o'clock for that game to kick they off. So of course, close. obviously, we need to to shout out Tiago Almada, uh, who becomes the first ever active MLS player. To be a part of a World Cup winning team. Uh, The celebrations that I saw out of Argentina. They had to stop it early because it was getting out of hand. People were jumping from bridges to get on the the party bus. Like, I mean, it puts to shame anything that the Braves or UGA football (laughs) did here. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, it was wild. Yeah,
2: but... I do want to talk a little Dansby Swanson. We don't have time here, so what we're going to do instead is we're going to talk to Grant McCauley. Coming up in five minutes, Braves insider Grant McCauley. He's going to join the Dopey Millennials. He'll be an honorary Dopey Millennial just for tonight. So keep it right here. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. We are the Dopey Millennials back in five. Stay with us.
0: To the latest weekend sports talk with the Dopey Millennials Show. Dump the old-ish, upgrade to the new. From Sports Radio 92.9, The Game.
1: Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, and the Odyssey app. It's the Dopey Millennials. Caleb Johnson and Garrett Chapman with you as we wrap up our number one and have one more to go before we toss things over to the CBS Sports Network and uh, what, But I believe, right? Yeah, no, it, this is, it's, it's, it's an odd feeling, I have to say, Garrett, the fact of we're on during the week. We're usually, you know, we're, we're weekend guys, uh, but obviously the Doping Millennials getting to fill in tonight uh, for the John Chuckery show. Uh, so once again, if you tuned in expecting John Chuckery and got us, don't turn your radio off yet. <laughs> Stick with us. Stick with us. I promise you, we'll give you some good insight And someone to give you some great insight is none other than our 92.9 The Game Braves reporter, Grant McCauley. Uh, We'll go out to the waitfor.com hotline to talk to Grant, who, uh, Grant, have you you eaten dinner yet, or are you about to head to dinner after this conversation?
3: You know, it's a great question, because I'm not sure what time zone I'm in at times. But, yeah, I've been back for... You know, at least 24 hours or so, I guess, I think, maybe. But, yeah, I'm I'm well fed. I'm not quite well rested yet, but there's no rest for the weary right now with the way things are, are going around the hot stove and obviously some big Braves news for us to get to as well.
1: Yeah, I do want to stick to – I know you're not used to the story being about you, but just for a moment, indulge us in the fact of Grant uh, just came back from being in Hawaii. Grant is now a newly engaged man. Congratulations to you. Thank you. I'm I'm curious, though, most exciting part outside of because I know the easy answer is to say the engagement itself, uh, because I know the stress level that goes into everything like that to make sure (laughs) everything plays out perfectly. um, But most exciting part outside of the engagement from your uh, from your trip in Hawaii.
3: Well, we really had just a, a crazy great 10 days that we felt like two or three vacations all wow. rolled into one. So when we started, you know, my girlfriend, now fiance, was running the Honolulu Marathon. So we were really focused Ooh. in on that. I ran the 10K, which is to say I got to go out and participate and see what it's all about. It was an amazing event. Uh, she finished the marathon, and then as the uh, trip was going to kick it into the next year, I felt like the day after that, we would go out, and do something nice, and I would go ahead and arrange a nice beach proposal. And that's exactly how things went down. Cool. And she said, yes, I am extremely, extremely lucky and very excited about what comes next. And, hey, we got to spend a week in Hawaii as fiancés. We went over to Maui, saw a black sand beach, sunset cruises, all kinds of great stuff. Went to a luau. I mean, we packed it all in, but there's still probably more stuff we can do the next time we go.
1: So, Grant, uh, doing the works while in Hawaii and, and of course, the... Big engagement and everything like that. Like I said, congratulations to you. Um, I know it's a really, really stressful moment to make sure all of all of the the photographers there and everything kind mm-hmm. of coordinates mm-hmm. perfectly. Uh, uh, but so going from some positive news to what some, especially around this city, would consider uh, some some sad news, some negative news in that. Seven years, $177 million goes to Dansby Swanson, but it wasn't given by the Atlanta Braves. It was given by the Chicago Cubs. Um, Just your initial thoughts to seeing the deal go down. I'm curious also, did you ever at any moment actually expect the Atlanta Braves to give a competitive offer to Dansby Swanson? Or is this kind of how you expected this to play out?
3: Well, competitive felt like it was starting to become kind of a relative or or maybe subjective term because this market for the shortstops that were out there, whether it was Carlos Correa and Trey Turner or Xander Bogarts, whoever it was, you knew that they were going to get some big money. But it was the years that began to surprise me. Mm -hmm. And if you started to see guys signing, what, 11 and 13 million, excuse me, 11 and 13 year contracts for 300 plus million dollars, you just felt like this market was starting to move far away from what the Braves might have had in mind when they made their initial, I believe, six-year, $100 million offer to Dansby Swanson. And then if Swanson's camp was kind of looking at, as I've talked about, throughout the course of the summer and the fall, maybe that six years, $140 million that Javi Baez and Trevor Story got a year ago would be the framework of what Swanson had played his way into with a career year. I think his camp was completely justified to ask for something like that because the market was bearing that and more. And it just did not seem like Debray's valuation was going to go to that level. And then you certainly couldn't expect, you know, for Dansby Swanson to be doing the best business for himself to turn away perhaps upwards of $80 million over the course of the. Uh, of, of this free agency to just come back to the Braves at their initial offer, which I believe really was just earlier in the year before the market started to take form. So a lot of things had to happen, to make a long story short, and it just never seemed like the Braves were going to get into the level that even the Chicago Cubs decided to get into at seven years and $177 million, which, by the way, who knew that Freddie Freeman was not going to get as much guaranteed money in free agency as Dansby Swanson is going to get from the Cubs. It's crazy all the ways you can look at it.
2: Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. That voice, of course, is that of Grant McCauley, Braves insider for 92.9 The Game, joining us on the wade4.com hotline. So assuming that Dansby Swanson was plan A for the Atlanta Braves, what's plan B? Is it Vaughn Grisham? Is it somebody else? What are you thinking here?
3: Yeah, I mean, right now you have to look at what you actually have on your 40-man roster. And if you are to you know, believe what the Braves are are looking at is at face value, Vaughn Grisham, who is working throughout the course of the offseason with Vaughn Washington to hopefully strengthen that defense up. And, you know, there were some questions, I think, even as Vaughn was a highly-touted prospect and, you know, you felt like the bat was ahead of the glove, whether or not he was going to stick at shortstop. Well, now he might actually have the opportunity to prove that, hey, I can be a shortstop. But, you know, my question throughout this, prior to Dan C. Swanson coming off the board was, do you believe that Vaughn Grissom can do it now, or would he be better suited continuing to develop as a shortstop for another year or more at AAA before he's pressed into everyday duty? But if you sign Dansby, it's a moot point. He can move to another position, and that would be that. Right now, he's the what would appear to be the heir apparent, but there is a certain amount, I feel, from the brave side of where well, you're going to have to prove it and earn it. You're not just going to be given the keys to it. And allowed to just simply fail at the big league level, so they do have Orlando Arcia on their squad. They have gone out and gotten some levels of depth behind Arcia over the course of the off season, but nothing that really moves the needle so with the bigger free agents off the board, you know there are some other options in free agency that could be good stop gaps but does this market push the stop gaps into getting two and three year deals? If you're talking about Elvis Andrews or Jose Iglesias, guys who had decent years last year, they're not long term solutions. But for the teams that missed out on the Swansons and Turners and Bogarts and Correas, you know, would they be willing to go two or three guaranteed years for? Elvis Andrews, and then maybe that's not something the Braves want to do. So that's just one of the examples I look at is there's not a lot of great choices outside of the reunion with Dansby Swanson from the free agent side of things. Vaughn Grissom did show the Braves that he could be a player for them and is a guy to be excited about, but he was pressed into duty as one of the youngest players in baseball and now would be asked to become an everyday guy at a position that he hasn't played yet at the big league level. There's still a lot of questions for me about where exactly the Braves' opening day shortstop is at this moment, and is it in fact Vaughn Grissom, or is it going to be somebody else?
2: Grant, I kind of want to go bigger picture here for a quick second. Uh, Fangraphs, I don't know if you saw this, Fangraphs has the Braves at number one for projected wins next year. So mm-hmm. do you, do you see, are the Atlanta Braves better today than they were the last game against Philadelphia?
3: No, not without Dansby Swanson. I, I know the projections are what they are and you know, it's, it's wonderful that we have those and everybody gets excited <laughs> about it. And you know, we have power rankings and all kinds of other things. Of course, we love to grade all of the different, you know, hot stove acquisitions and trades and stuff that happened in the off season. But until the games are actually played, we don't really know how it's going to go. And I think that you know the Braves, you, you can't look at them and say that taking away Dancy Swanson makes this club better. Now, what you can start to do is look around and think, well, how could they be forecasted for you know having the most wins at this point right now, considering they just lost Dansby Swanson? Well, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albee should be primed for big bounce-back seasons. That's a factor you really have to look at. You know, you've still got the core of this team that you are returning with a very good rotation, a very good bullpen, and, you know, one that outside of Dansby Swanson, this is a well constructed club, but we already knew that. But it's still difficult to look at it and see the Mets going and getting Justin Verlander and locking down some of their guys, not letting them leave as free agents, continuing to sign and spend money at a rate hitherto unthought of in Major League Baseball. The Phillies go get Trey Turner, among other acquisitions for them. That's a big deal. And the Braves really outside of the Sean Murphy trade, which does make the club better. Let me point that out you know, it's hard to say that they have been able to keep up with the activity level of some of these other clubs, and that, I think, is where people are starting to get a little bit anxious, and I don't really blame them for that because, you know, you want to be making your club better,
1: and the Braves right now are still, I think, looking for ways at shortstop, perhaps left field, and maybe even a DH to make their club better. Talking with Grant McCauley on the uh, WaitFor.com hotline, Grant, you actually touched on a little bit of what I wanted to ask, but more specifically in the fact of uh, Yeah, previous to this Dansby Swanson news, of course, Braves fans all trying to react and figure out how they feel about the Sean Murphy trade because you mm-hmm. give up what I would consider to be a lot of assets, uh, including Grant. You're going to have to retire your wild bill T-shirt. You know, no. I, don't, I don't know how you're feeling about that, mm. uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but going all in, at least it, it felt like to me going all in and getting Sean Murphy. Uh, and then deciding not to maybe go all in uh, at shortstop and get either one of these big free agents, or, or I mm-hmm. guess Dansby Swanson also counts as a free agent. You know, oh, yeah. bringing bringing him back. So because you decided to make that a uh, to be determined thing, and and maybe uh you're, you're trying to get Von Grissom to to work and, and grow into that role. Were you surprised that they go all in on Sean Murphy, but don't? fill that void at shortstop or are you kind of under the impression that it's going to be one of these other positions that gets the, the splashier uh, free agent yeah. move?
3: I feel like you know there's a lot of different layers of that and nuance of that and I did a new From the Diamond podcast which I dropped earlier today and get it wherever you get your podcast where you know for a longer period of time than we have right now I've really tried to get into all of the different levels of exactly what you're talking about because you know failing getting Dansby Swanson back you knew you had that question mark at shortstop but that was something we went into the winter thinking alright well we got to have conclusion to the Dansby Swanson saga is he going to sign is he going to go somewhere else if he does when's it going to happen who's going to be about- what move can be made? What happens at that area? Then you kind of shift your focus over to, all right, well, how do you make yourself better in the outfield? How do you make yourself better at DH? I didn't have catcher in anywhere near the list of things the Braves needed to deal with because Travis Darno and William Contreras, my guy, Wild Bill, they were a tremendous duo offensively speaking, you know, one of the most productive catchers crews of anybody in all of baseball, any of the 30 teams. And now William Contreras is going to be putting on a Brewers uniform, and that was just part of the three-team, nine-player trade that did get the Braves one of the top five catchers in baseball. But again, it just wasn't an area that I was looking at as one of need. But then you start to look at the – you know the appeal of getting sean murphy and it doesn't take very long to figure out that hey this guy is going to make the team better and if you do look at that nine player trade the braves got the best player in that trade they did give up a lot of quantity they gave up quality i feel like in contreras and and that was kind of the more quizzical part of that deal he ended up going to the brewers i, I, I like liking this to the brewers showed up at a flash sale and they walked away with <laughs> one of the better hitters In the trade. Meanwhile, the athletics, they got a bunch of quantity and and I do like Kyle Muller. And I think he's probably the best player that they got as far as the pitching prospects from the Braves. And then the Braves got Sean Murphy for the next three years. And with the rules changes and his defensive prowess, the his ability to throw, frame, he's got power, and he's projectable as far as you know being able to be under team control for the next three years so you don't have questions behind the plate, and a higher-ceiling catcher all around, then I think William Contreras was viewed as, so maybe that's kind of why that deal played out in the fashion that it did. But, yeah, the Braves still have the questions outside of this, and the catcher trade was just something that – kind of came, no pun intended, out of left field, but the Braves saw a chance to get better at a position and that's something that Alex Anthopoulos has not been shy about. He's not out there focused on only one thing, and until he gets that thing done, will he move on to the next thing? He will try to find what he believes is the best deal at that time and make that deal happen and continue to have other things brewing so that he can do those as they become available, or some deal might show itself that wasn't available earlier on in the winter, which hopefully will be the case as we go forward, because I still feel the Braves are a couple of pieces away from where they want to be heading into spring training in the middle of February.
2: Grant, we are in the middle of hot stove season. I mean, this is just crazy, crazy time. Jim Callis, of course, he is. He joined the hot stove and he made some very interesting comments. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not. Max. Fried, I, did. I figured you mm-hmm. would. Max Freed could be on the move, says Jim Callis. I don't necessarily believe that's true. He does bring up a good point. He's going to be expensive, and he's not under contract right now. What, is he going to be signed? Is he going to get an extension, or are we looking at a legitimate situation where he's not going to be an Atlanta Brave?
3: I don't think we're looking at that situation this offseason. Would you be looking at it maybe next offseason? Because he has two more years of club control. Now, Max Fried is going to go into the free agent market at the age of, I believe, 31 years old. And so is it conceivable that he could get the kind of deal that Carlos Rodon just got from the New York Yankees? Absolutely. I I think that he could. Are the Braves going to hand him that kind of money in an extension? No, I don't expect that. But there is still a window here of time in which the Braves could conceivably work out, you know, having him under control for this next couple of years, and maybe you add two to three years beyond that, and one of those option years that the Braves are famous for adding on to some of these deals. I still think there's the ability to get one of those done. Will it happen, though? I think at this point, it's kind of a 50-50 probability, which doesn't sound great because either yes, it will happen or no, it won't. So it's always 50-50 if you really break it down to brass tacks there. But I don't think you're in that place where you need to panic about that kind of thing right now. But it is the business of baseball to try to figure out the ways to lock in these young players. The Braves do it, I think, better than anybody as far as extensions are concerned. But the closer guys get to free agency, and we have learned, once they do get into free agency, it is a completely different negotiation, and the Braves have a very strict evaluation system they look at that they're not going to stray from. So, you know, it... I didn't put a lot of credence in that as a rumor, but it's the hot stove. It's that time of the year, and anything that gets thrown out there, we got to react to. So why not talk about the possibility of a trade that probably won't happen this offseason because, hey, we've got spare time.
1: That is Grant McCauley uh, from the Diamond, his podcast. Go out uh, and find that wherever you listen to your podcast, of course. uh, Grant also, our 92.9 The Game Braves insider. Grant, thanks so much for uh, giving us some of your time and go enjoy dinner or sleep or what everybody tells you uh, you you need next. You got it, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Grant. All right. Sounds great. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to get into something that – surprisingly, we haven't spent a whole lot of time in our show uh, on just yet. And that is the Atlanta Falcons. And whether it was a, a win or loss on Sunday, and of course we know it was a loss against the Saints, it feels like we saw some wins out of this team, some positives that can be taken away as, yes, that that F word we're going to be talking about, the future. It's coming up next. It's the Doping Millennials on Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey app.